Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code the Zone 125 You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. We're all going to yell about the Brewers coming up because I, I know ah. RJ was ready to lose it. Uh, I'm ready to lose it. Nelly, we do have a message from Corey and Marshall says, Nelly sounds relatively calm right now. It's never a good thing. Nelson, is this the calm? <laughs> the is this calm like the calm before the storm? storm. <laughs> is this like, a, like a, is it, was it Dante's Peak? Dante's Inferno? What was the one with the... The volcano? Yeah, the volcano. What's the one with... Um, Dante's Peak. What's the one with the James Bond? What the hell's his name again? Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, Pierce. What was the one I with that? Don, Don is this like when the town, Rowdy, you're like the town. Tomorrow right? never dies. <laughs> <laughs> is this the town right now, Rowdy, where everyone's going about their day, but the, like there's this like this tense feeling in the air, and then all of a sudden. Yeah, if, if Corey wants to know how I was feeling yesterday during this game, he should have he should have saw Dante's peak while yes. I was on the golf course, and this is because, like I said, when I had left. It was the fifth inning, and it was five to nothing. Also and then Ooh, in the sixth came? inning, Hauser got out of it, and then we basically teed off. We 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 teed off like in the bottom of the sixth, the start of the bottom of the sixth inning. And that's when you started to get teed off. And obviously, in the seventh inning is when it started to fall apart. But <laughs> if he wants to see peak anger, he should see like me right at the end of our round of golf because the Brewers had collapsed, and you know who else collapsed? The Colorado Rockies. Oh, yeah, because Rowdy's got the uh, Dodgers bet. There's Dante's Peak, and then also in 1997 came Volcano. I know there's another one. <laughs> Same so, movie, basically. I feel like Rowdy right now. So I did text Rowdy afterwards. Once Rowdy's off the golf course, I, I've, I've been wanting to debut a new segment called The World's Angriest Man, and that's where something egregious happens, and Nelly immediately picks up his phone and starts screaming into it and records it and then sends it to me, and then I'll have to edit it. Because I'm sure there'll be some choice words. And then we re- replay it the next day and do the world's angriest man. So I told Rowdy, like, dude, start screaming in your phone so we can debut the segment. But Rowdy, I, we missed the moment, right? Because I it's think it's got to be authentic. Because the white anger, the blinding white rage. And the closest thing I can tell you to how I was feeling you forgot to was, one your of, phone. was one of the messages that I sent you guys in that DM group. Yeah, we can't yeah. repeat it. Had a lot it. of Fs and a lot of everyone. Yeah, mm-hmm. we can't repeat it, unfortunately. Yeah, that's not a thing we can do. Uh, so we'll we'll get the... Uh, right that was the most authentic reaction to what occurred. <laughs> right now, right now we're in, like in Dante's Peak, where the town is just going about their lives, thinking everything's hunky-dory and cool. But uh, I think at the beginning, like, there's a scientist... Was it, is it Pierce? Like, hey, these seismographs don't look right. Something... Something's happening. Yeah, it's and like the the, Pierce the lake starts the boiling a little bit. I think like the lake starts. They finally up. convince everybody, hey, we got to move. Yeah, because like they see like the fish start dying. I think in the lakes because yeah. the water's getting too hot. Like right now, we're just the village people going about our lives, but we can tell there's something off. But then, well, this is the weakest. There it is. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then this is going to happen pretty soon. This is the uh, volcano exploding on Nelly's Peak. The sequel to Dante's Peak. All right, boys, but is Saturday that, real quick. Is that a part of Mount Notice? Oh, I don't know. Rowdy, is anyone on Mount Notice? Or is it now just turned to Nelly's Peak where we just, the sequel to Dante's Peak? Is Mount Notice still a thing? I mean, it hasn't been updated in a while. Yeah. I kind of forgot Pretty about sure it. sure it can be now. No, no, but you remember who was on it? 
Christian and Yelich. I got a lot of flack for it. Yelly? Christian Yelich. Yeah. Lorenzo Cain. Yeah. Okay, let's just get into it. We'll do Badgers at 720. Rowdy, I played the volcano exploding already. Rowdy, you have numbers on Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich. Yeah, he's terrible. Christian Yelich had an opportunity to do some damage for the Brewers. Like, and, I'm done faking Christian Yelich is good. And he's he not struck good. out. He struck out, and I, I called him a bum, and RJ's like, you got that right. And then Nelly, I think, was trying to break his club on the golf course. Nelly, what are the Yelly stats that you have in front of you? Well, like I like I just said, I'm done faking that Christian Yelich is a good baseball player because I, he's not. I think he's not ship, a good baseball I think the player. Ship has sailed. He, he's terrible. Just look at his numbers. The only thing that he's doing and doing decently well is getting on base. But does he get on base? Yes. But at this point, I don't even care <laughs> because that's literally the only thing that he's bringing to this team. How much is his contract going to be again? It'll be $26 million starting next year, and this year it's 14 Do you want to pay a guy $26 million who I can't hit or anything? I wouldn't even pay him 1.4 for what he's doing. Would you pay him, would you pay him the, the minimum, whatever the hell it is now? So, Rowdy, you were compiling Christian Yelich stats uh, as the show was unfolding here at 6 o'clock, and you said, I don't think the people are going to like what I have to say or what the stats are because it's going to prove that he uh, sucks. Well, I'll just say it right now. Christian Yelich should not be starting any more games. They go to the when they go to the playoffs. He's not a starter. Benched. He's benched. Who's in his spot? He he. I don't even think he deserves any of the big time at bats when the game really gets in the thick of things. When you need a big hit. When has Christian Yelich really been clutch at all this year? When has Christian Yelich really done jack crap this year? <laughs> what he batted well. He hit for an eye. Like a two week. He hit span. for a high average for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. That's all he's done. And then go back to last year. Last year, that's a two additional months. He didn't do anything there. Yep. Yeah. The last time Christian Yelich has done anything was September of 2019. When's the last like, time? Like I'm done faking this for Christian Yelich. Yelich is hitting 242 right now. On base percentage of 354, slugging 362. Rowdy, when's the last time Christian Yelich hit a home run? August 22nd. <laughs> Over a month ago was the last time Yelich. Hit a home run. Wow. When can you guys remember? He has a time? three home runs since the month of June. Sorry? He has three home runs since the month of June. Wow. He has eight home runs total. And by the way, Christian Yelich has not hit a home run off a breaking ball or an off speed pitch this whole season. Only fastballs, right? Only fastballs. The all eight. Only fastballs. Wow. He has progressively getting worse yeah in the in the, in the outfield defensively he won a gold glove when he was younger in Miami playing in a bigger outfield that is more uh conducive for for pitchers he wins a gold glove but then he he has just gotten worse and worse and you know what it is you know what I think it really is because you watch him run the bases you see how well he runs the bases you watch him out in the outfield he doesn't give a sh- he doesn't care nice save he does Even not the Cardinals care. broadcast was talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I had the broadcast on for the Cardinals, and I like having it on the other teams once in a while because you get a different perspective. And they literally said in the game that the Cardinals were blowing out the Milwaukee Brewers, like, yeah, Christian Yelich is having a down year this year. He hasn't really been able to get the bat going. And then they hit one kind of down left field. It wasn't really in the corner, but it kind of bounced around a little bit. Yeah. And you can see Christian Yelich lollygag jog down to the ball, pick it up, and then barely, barely throw it in. It looked like he took like an extra three seconds to throw it in. He doesn't care. 
Check this out, Rowdy. From September 12th and onward, September 12th, Christian Yelich, ice cold, 0 for 3 yesterday. Yelly is 3 for his last 37, which is equating to point zero eight one. Yeah, average. and if you even move that out to his last 15 games, it doesn't get much better. He's batting 190. There's been no production. Here, let me read some of the stats. Christian Yelich's war this season, it's .8. So he is less than one win better than an average player. And, oh, yeah, you know what his defensive war is? Not good. Minus .6. He's terrible in the field. You can, ju- you can just watch with your naked eye. He's terrible yeah. in the field. It takes him like three seconds. Remember when we used to make fun of uh, Chris Taylor? Or not Chris Taylor. Um, Chris, da- or, Chris or Davis. Davis. Chris Davis, because he had to wind up yeah. to throw it. Yeah. Yelly's starting to get that same big old wind up where he's got to lean back and throw, and he doesn't hustle after balls. No. He's he's he's, he's, he's useless bad. in the outfield. Mm-hmm. It, I, the only guy that I would the only guy I would have him over in the outfield would be Ryan Braun, and he's retired. He's the, that's the only guy that he's got better angles to balls than. <laughs> that guy's old and retired. Christian Yelich. Is in a solid slump Tyrone right Taylor now. Tyrone Taylor needs to start, and he needs to start today. Yeah, Tyrone Taylor uh, needs enough. A- enough with Christian Yelich. I, I don't care. Since so September twelfth, right now, Christian Yelich is batting point zero eight one. After yesterday, is three for thirty seven. Tyrone Taylor, his WAR for the season one point one. You know what his defensive WAR was? Point one. He's a little above average as a defender. Yeah. But yeah, guess what? He swings the he's got a higher war than Christian Yelich and he has played I would I would go out on a limb and say probably about eh, two thirds of the at bats. Uh got the phone lines blowing up. I'm gonna get to you momentarily. Just got a message here from Trevor. What's up, Trev? Uh he says, and Rowdy, this is something that's been brought to our attention from other listeners, and I think someone from a like a notable podcast was talking about it as well. I'm not saying there's any truth to it, but maybe there could be. Uh, Trevor messaged me. Says Yelly was stealing signs until the Astros were caught. Think about it. Yeah, but here was the thing: a lot of people did say that. But you they also, accused Yelly. They of that. also thought that 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 his hitting would come back if he was stealing signs once they got fans in the stands. Yeah. Well, guess what? It really hasn't come back. No, he's and, batting point zero eight one right now. And real quick, here are Sel Garcia and Lorenzo Cain's numbers. Avi's WAR three point two. He's got a point four. War defensively, that's pretty good. Lorenzo Cain, war of two. Defensive war, 0.5. That's your starting outfield. Lorenzo Cain, Avisel Garcia, Tyrone Taylor, and then here's JBJ. Minus 0.4 war, which is awful. And But but he has a 1.4 positive defensive war. That means your three outfielders are Lorenzo Cain, Avisel Garcia, Tyrone Taylor, JBJ as a defensive replacement. Yelich, we'll see you later. Is is JBJ batting better than Christian Yelich in this stretch right now? Because Yelich's batting 0.081. JBJ does have a couple hits. Not that it's been pretty, but there's (laughs) been a couple in there. All right. Uh, Phone line's blowing up. Uh, Line one, who's this? You guys are in first place, and you're crying like a bunch of little three-year-olds. Ah, Dave from Monona. Good morning. First place. Oh my God. Hey, but hey, but he did. He did buy ten thousand tickets, and he took care of the baseball field. You guys are in first. The only other Emmanuel. people that buy ten thousand tickets are Eric Gagne because he sucks so much ass. It was the only I way he could get some imagine. fans on no, his no. side. I can only imagine how you guys are going to cry and whine when they get beat in the playoffs. By the way, Brenda, 
I I welcomed it an ass kicking. <laughs> I know I know I knew you'd love when Brenda said you could uh, that she could well, kick your ass, Dave. But no, but I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, hey, by the way, I'm with my boss here. Who's the best sales guy you ever had, Mark? He won't. We're going to Iowa again. I'll but, say it, Dave hey, from Monona. That's right, you hear that, Mark? <laughs> he's playing. He's playing. He's playing dumb again, but he. But no, I mean, listen. Guy, guy, well, if he hired you, then probably I don't know if that's an act. Dave, you're blind. I bet you, Mark wishes he was deaf when he's by you. <laughs> well, he's got a six-hour ride today. I'm sure by the end of the day, he's going to want to throw me over the Mississippi River. I think everyone wants to do that, no matter what. But, but I mean, Nelson, you're in first place. Shut up. You're in first. You, you won the division. You're going to beat the Braves. Dave, they haven't won the division. They haven't won the division. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. You won the division. You're, you're going to beat the Braves because you're the best road team in baseball. And you're whining like a little girl. Dave, Christian who, Yelich is on. We're on the hook for $26, $28 million starting next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a who cares from who a Cubs cares? fan. Because you guys can all of a sudden go out and spend $200 million. Hey, who cares? If, if you win the playoffs, you're not, you're not even going to remember, remember Chris. You're, you're a little crybaby little girl. You're in first place. Jesus. Dave, Dave, oh. weren't you the one that once the Cubs won the World Series, you were all, well, they're going to win another one. And then well, I we guess they it. got all fat and happy and, yeah, and they you got married and then they had girlfriends won, and then the manager we? sucked and then I heard tears. We won, by the way. He, he did bet me that if Brewers don't win the World Series, you got to sing Go Cubs Go. And finally, you're going to take my bet plus six and a half? I feel like going to Buffalo Wild Wings again. Oh, you texted me that. Did you text Nelly that? Yeah, Dave yeah, said he'd take six and a half uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, I'll take Wisconsin. They win by 14. All right, Dave, there it is. Oh. Get, get out of here. Go, Cubs, go. Get out of here. Uh, line two, who's this? Good morning, my fans. One second. This is coming from the guy that didn't even want to pay up his bets once he already originally flip-flopped on his Brewers stuff. Remember, <laughs> yeah, it was true. supposed to be who would have the best record, yeah. Brewers, Cubs? Then well, it obviously, turned into, it turned into season, season record. record. Well, guess what? Line four. That, you that got, was wrapped up in You June. got S'd on real quick. <laughs> Last night, as the Brewers totally cough it up, Tyrone Taylor with the grand freaking salami, the grand slam in the first inning. Brewers are up four to nothing. And then Tyrone Taylor, what was that, the fourth or the fifth, whatever it was, he hits a, a solo shot. Brewers up five to nothing. And then, you know, the cards get a run five to one going into the sixth. And then this is when the lake starts to boil over and, the, you know, the, the shift starts happening. There's rumbling in the ground as it's starting to, starting to lose it. And then all of a sudden, as the Brewers lose, after being up 5-1 to one in the sixth, they lose 8-5. to five. The Dante's Peak, but now it's the sequel. It's Rowdy's Peak. Rowdy's Volcano explodes. Nelly, you had some very, I can't repeat them on air, but you had messaged me some very choice words about the Milwaukee Brewers. And you said you want to come at them top down. Nelly, are you ready? To explode. I just got to get this out first. Ah, okay, let's go. Because I already came at Christian Yelich because he's just been awful. I, I'm tired of I'm tired of having to sit there and wait and say, oh, he'll come around. He'll come around. He's not coming around. He's had over a full year of at-bats. And you know what? He looks even more disinterested on defense. And when the Cardinals broadcast calls him out for not looking interested and even a step slow in the field, this is a guy that won a gold glove. He won a gold glove when he was younger. And now all of a sudden, he's a guy that he hasn't hit a home run since mid-August. He's a guy that's only hit three home runs since June. And on top of that, we have to keep playing him. Tyrone Taylor deserves to start. This is unbelievable. Tyrone Taylor is having his best career year. Tyrone Taylor is better defensively. And then when you look at all the rest of their outfielders, he's literally 
The fourth guy in the outfield behind Lorenzo Kane, Avisel Garcia, and Tyrone Taylor. And when you really break down their numbers defensively, I'm bringing in JBJ as a defensive replacement before I'm bringing in Yelich. Yelich is done. D-U-N, done! My patience for Christian Yelich, they're gone. Christian Yelich, since September 12th, is batting .081. Yeah, he's like three for his last 39. You can't wait. It's win now. This is the postseason. You haven't even clinched the division yet. And you had people, even Brewer fans, talking about how the Cardinals were going to come back and win the division. All you had to do was split that series. And by the way, this stems from the top down. And I'm not going to go at Stearns right away. First, I'm going to look right at Craig Council. And you know why I'm going to look at Craig Council first? Yeah, you can do this little sissy footing around about, oh, should he have pulled his pitcher or should he not have? (laughs) Yeah, you probably go up to the guy and say, hey, you've gotten through six. You've only given up one run. You're looking pretty good. Do you want another inning? Do you feel good? Why did you have to go to the bullpen early? I've always been on that point. When your starter's looking good, roll with him, especially when he's got 81 pitches. He didn't reach the magical 100. And then it it stems even further from that because it's not just this one game. It's been the last week plus. And you know what it's been? It's been them being so conservative with their players and their health it's like they're scared. Go off, King. Go off, It's King. like they're scared. And you know what Craig Council's scared of? What? He's scared of being great. <gasps> He's scared of greatness? He's scared of being great. You have Willie Adamas, who, by all, look at any snapshot of the season. Once Go he off. got there, they've been one of the best teams in the NL. And that's not just by happenstance. That's because Willie Adamas brings energy to this team, and you can tell that. He's talking about, oh yeah, he's been really annoying, so we're trying to work him in here in the next few days. He's being annoying because he wants to play, and he's ready to play. Yeah, he had a little quad injury. That's why you sat him down, you put him on the IL. You could have taken him off the IL in 10 days once you took him, but you decided to wait 14. Go off, King. Go. That puts, it's all routine. Baseball is all about routine, and you're getting these guys off their routine because you're being conservative with them. Even your pitching staff. Rowdy, we, we could have Burns throwing no hitters. We could have Brandon Woodruff getting wins. But no, you're conservative. You take him out because, oh, I don't want him to get hurt. I don't want him to do this. Guess what? They could get hurt just walking to the freaking field. We saw Jonathan Lucroy break his hand because his wife freaking dropped luggage, it? luggage, luggage on his luggage hand. On it can happen at any time. Enough with Go being off, this King. conservative. Go, King. Avisel Garcia, oh, I had a, a, a sore back and a wrist I got hit with. He was ready to play the next day. He even said it. And then you, you sit him down for three more games because you don't want to take any. You have to get hot. You can't just stop playing. You have to play. This is him. This is him oh, being dude. so conservative. It's It's embarrassing. And then you continue to sit there with Christian Yelich while he struggles? No, you got to go win games. It's about winning games now. Lock up that division. Get your starting rotation right. And go into October and just dominate. He's scared to be great. He's all right with being good. He's scared to be great. And like, I, I, People talk about, oh, well, go, he should Rowdy. be He's manager He's of the year. He's not done. Go, Rowdy, go. In 2017. He's not done, folks. Oh, he should be manager of the year. This is one of the worst Brewers teams we might ever see. Did you forget about the 90s? Go, King, go. They were one game away from the playoffs. You know what? He didn't. Des- he he deserved manager of the year there. He got second. 2018. I'll agree with you. He should have won manager of the year. That team came out of nowhere. 2019. Oh, he should have won manager of the year. You know what? Mike Shield won manager of the year in 2019. And you know why? Because the Cardinals play baseball the right way. I don't care they had a ton of injuries. I don't care that they had a, guy, a ton of guys underperforming when it comes to hitting the baseball. They're here now. They're <laughs> playing well. And guess what? They do all the little things right. When they got a guy on second base, they're hitting it the other way. Oh. 
if they More. got a guy on third, More. they're hitting a sacrifice fly. The Brewers, all of a sudden, that that approach they had in June, July, and August, that's not there. They're swinging for the fences. They're not doing the little things. <clears throat> and, it, and it all starts with Craig Council. And then you'll have the people say, oh, well, he's just kind of a figurehead because the front office, they're calling all the shots. Well, if that's true, then David Stearns needs to stop being so conservative with his players and their game management. And you know what? I still put that on Craig Council because you know who ultimately has the decisions? Craig Council! It's the manager, Craig Council. So you better take your balls out, put them on the table, and say, this is what we're going to be. We're going to win games. Enough with this. Enough. You had four games in which you got swept at home by the Cardinals' arrival in a playoff hunt, and you don't even have a division locked up yet. Enough. Go win the division. We're not here for a good season. We're here to win it all. And you know what? I've changed my prediction. It's no longer NLCS or bust. It's It's World World Series Series or bust. bust. Enough with this. You have the best starting rotation, especially once you get to the playoffs. (laughs) You have timely hitting. And and it doesn't even... I don't even care about Christian Yelich. Play the guy that's hot. We're trying to win. I I literally don't care. I'm done with Christian Yelich and waiting for him to come around. He's not coming around. You need to figure it out now. Rowdy, 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 and for him to rowdy, win manager of the year, rowdy. and for him to win manager of the year this year for Craig Council, you obviously just don't watch baseball because it's clearly Gabe Kapler and the San Francisco Giants who are the best team in baseball, and they were a team that was believed to win about seventy-five games. So enough with being good, be great. How's it feel? You got it off the chest. I still just want to yell. Ready. Like I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of Rowdy. watching. Remember, th- remember, uninspired baseball when you're a team that's in first place and you're on the Rowdy. verge of wrapping up the central. Earlier today, we started uh, the new health craze around the nation. It's called Rage Yoga. It's where you stand in a room on a yoga mat and you play low lights of the Milwaukee Brewers and you scream at the top of your lungs at the TV. It's the new wellness trend of 2021 into 2022. Rage Yoga, Brewers low lights, and you just scream. You want to do one? If you're if you're scared to be great, Evo, you'll never be anything better than good. <laughs> and you know what happens? A Just good give me a, scream. a good baseball season doesn't turn into give a world series. Give me a primal series. guttural scream right now, Rowdy. Ah! 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 There's a war for your mind. <sighs> Z in the D. Good luck following that up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what we need... Yeah. Hey. Can you give me a scream? It's my Adel Central much- and I need it now. Yeah. He's pretty much he's like Berlin. He took my breath away on that one. <laughs> I mean, geez. Um, what we need right now in Wisconsin right now, and we need the one and only Conrad to call in and give us that pet talk that we all need to hear. We need him talking about the Ryder Cup, how the US needs a win. We need the Brewers, how they need a win this weekend. We need Wisconsin to win this week, and we need the... Z and the D, I can't handle it anymore. I, I This is ridiculous. It, it really is ridiculous. Go and win a game. You're right there to clinch. What, are you making excuses, Z? No, I'm not making excuses. I'm I'm totally 100% behind Nelly on this. You know, I'm a big yelly guy, but if he's not hot right now, you put in Tyrone Taylor, you get that bats rolling, you got to do the small things. You know what? There's a reason why Adamus wants it to be in the game because he's a winner and all he wants to do is win. And you know what we want to do? They want the ball and they want to play and they want to be in the game. That's why these guys that are itching to get back and they want to play. Yeah. 
Maybe it is a little too early, but we won't know because he keeps holding them back. So let him. Play. And that's the thing with Craig Council; he holds ah! everybody back because you know what he keeps saying. He says, "Well, we have bigger goals. We have bigger goals." Guess what? You can still obtain those goals and still have players go out there and play. Go off, King. Go, King. I don't go get off, it. It's so annoying. Yeah, they're a good team. They could be better. Go, King. Go off. There's always room for improvement until you hoist that World Series go trophy. Go off, King. This is if they never reach the World Series. Then this is all for naught, and all of his excuses were a bunch of BS. We're not in. We're not in the business. Unbelievable! Throwing my chair now. He, you know, maybe yeah, there is a reason chair. why he gets second place for manager of the year every year. Yeah, because you know what? He has no guts. He has no balls. He has no cojones right now. And you know what wins? Cojones. Pull out all the tricks. Win it now. Forget about. Oh, conserve this, conserve that. Let's go win this freaking division. Let's go win this Central. Let's go win the World Series. Let's go, Brewers. There's only one thing left to do, Z and the Nails. Win the whole effing thing. Win the whole thing. Hey, have a good weekend. (laughs) Later. (laughs) See you, buddy. (laughs) Ah! It's World Series or bust. If you don't win the World Series now, everything you ever said about pulling a pitcher early, saving a guy for the postseason, it's garbage. Show me your war face, Rowdy. People are turned on everywhere. I would rather play my full hand and say, well, you know what? We ended up coming up with an injury. You know, we we came up short. We had a couple guys get injured. Then say, oh, everyone's 100% healthy, and we still didn't get it done because all of a sudden we shelled up and we didn't play baseball. All right. (sighs) Enough. To quote David from Monona, go win something. Cowards. All right, the new wellness. Believe it or not, this is good for the mental health to get it out there. It's the new wellness sensation. We're opening up our own studio. It'll be, we'll figure out where it's going to be. But it's going to be Rage Yoga. We'll play Brewer's Low Lights and just scream into the abyss in the room. It's the new wellness trend. Also turned on today because I get to talk to this guy, Zach Halpern, our sports director. Good morning, Zach. I was going to say the same thing. Turned on because I get to talk to you guys. Great minds think alike. We are setting fires everywhere on this highway of information. Hey, did you know that since, uh, what was it, September 12th, Christian Yelich is batting point zero eight one. Yeah, he hasn't been good. Hasn't been good. Was good for the first half, uh, you know, good last half of August, early September. Yeah, like two weeks. From uh, about August 8th till about September 8th. Yeah, so he's good for about a month. Not not ideal of late, but he also didn't uh, give up a five-run lead yesterday. So. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Man, Grant Bills. Oh, it's only just starting. Nothing funnier than hearing Grant Bills flip-flop on his pulling his pitcher uh, argument. Uh, but Zach Alperin, <laughs> you're, you're here to talk with us about uh, a little jaunt you're doing today to check out tomorrow. You're driving down to Chicago to go to Soldier Field to check out Wisconsin versus Notre Dame. Zach, how's it feel? Like, Is this your first uh, away stadium you're going to be at for since, since COVID nonsense? Yeah, since the Rose Bowl uh, when they played Oregon. That's the last, that's the last time... I went to an away game. Now, obviously, I travel for the Big Ten uh, uh, media yeah. days, yep. but this, but this is, uh, yeah, this is the first actual game that I'm going to be going to uh, outside of Camp Randall Stadium. So, yeah, I, I'm excited for it. Excited to to, to see uh, what we've been anticipating for a, a long time now. Probably, you know, obviously when it was announced back in 2017, but also uh, since January 4th when. Uh, Jack Cohn announced he was transferring to Dame. It turned it up a little bit more. Anticipation, the hype around it turned it up a little more. Can't wait. Zach, what time are you planning on leaving for Chicago? I know it's an early 11 o'clock kick. 
Um, Zach? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, no, you're, so the phone cut out or something. Rowdy asked, what do you Oh, yeah, thing? I asked, uh, I was wondering what time you're getting leaving tomorrow morning because it's got to be pretty Is early. With, uh, oh, tonight? Yeah. Yeah, I, I decided decided to, to spend a little bit. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not an early riser, so uh, getting up at getting up at six o'clock to get down there by eight eight thirty. Not a, not not the thing I want to do, but yeah, it's it's gonna be. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of eleven o'clock starts when it's when it's an away game, but um, yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm interested in what the environment's like. I mean, I, we haven't. Uh, I mean, it's, Notre Dame has a huge alumni base in Chicago, so is Wisconsin. So I, I think it's gonna be close to fifty fifty. I probably get the the nod to Notre Dame, but yeah. Well, Zach, I was going to say, if you were getting up early, I probably could help you grab some extra equipment, meet you down in Chicago, maybe even ride with, just for old time's sake, because the last time I was in Chicago, it was just us, baby. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I wouldn't uh, drive with you. I'd probably make you take no, a got free parking or something like that. You got free parking. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Downtown Chicago, we got free parking. You got to know people. <laughs> And he yeah. just didn't get the audio you wanted, right? Yeah, no, no, no. He could probably go get the audio from something that doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, uh, but and he could walk behind a TV setup just to, and, and like yeah, and flirt with the girl in the yellow dress to, for Iowa. Give give a little nod, yeah, give a little nod to the college game day crew. Just be like, hey, hey, hey I'm here. Hey, I haven't done anything. I, I I won't do anything. Anything I do do will be worthless, but hey, I'm here. <laughs> hey, sometimes people just pay you for your presence. Oh, yeah. So, Zach, um, obviously it's Wisconsin versus Notre Dame, but I can't help myself and look at Jack Cohn versus Graham Mertz. But let's start with Graham Mertz. Is Graham Mertz is just going to be handing the ball off a lot because Notre Dame's rush defense is not too good. What do we expect from Graham Mertz coming up in this game? Yeah, the, the numbers of Notre Dame's defense are, are a little, um, I guess, Misleading, I don't know, with the run game because they gave up a couple of big runs. They gave up big run to Florida State. Uh, I think it was like an eighty some yard run, and they also gave up a long run against uh, Toledo as well. So it's kind of they're kind of misleading. But I think yes, you would hope that Graham Mercer should be able to turn around and, and hand the ball to Joseph Malusi and Jalen Berger and Isaac Gregg all day, and the Wisconsin offense would be able to move. I don't think it's necessarily going to be that way. I think Notre Dame is going to sell out and uh, force Graham Mertz to beat him because. Have you seen Graham Mertz beat anybody since the Illinois game? Hmm. Right? Like Maybe uh, you could I, argue part of Michigan. Not really. But they uh, ran the ball really well there? Yeah. I mean, they had over 300 yards rushing that night. Um, so I, I I probably wouldn't say that game. But look, he made some nice stuff against Eastern Michigan, but it was Eastern Michigan. Like, who cares? It, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't the, – the receivers were running wide open all over the place. But Torin Rush cares, Zach. Torin Rush cares. He, he's going to have to make some plays. He's going to have to make, if they're going to win this game, he's going to have to make some plays. And I think probably even more importantly, he can't make the uh, catastrophic mistake or mistakes so, uh, that he made against that he made against Penn State. He can't have the, the turnovers inside the five-yard line. He had two of them. And that's and, why people uh, like Jack Cohn, because he didn't turn the ball over for the most part. He was very efficient with the football. Graham, uh, his, his first year as a starter, Jack Cohn's at Wisconsin, he was a turnover machine too. Uh, his the, the year that he started, Came in for Alex Hornick, where I think he's played in five games and started four of them. He was a turnover machine, just like uh, Graham Mertz was. Like you know how bad Graham Mertz was against Penn State. Like his his pass rating was, I don't know, like fifty or something like that. Jack Cohn's is even worse when he played against Penn State in twenty eighteen. Mm. So um, it's 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 not like Jack Cohn was some great, um, you know. Uh, Are you saying we're misremembering great quarterback? I, I I'm saying no. I'm saying you can find arguments to back up whatever you want to think, um, even if it's not based in fact. 
Like it's just there are he wasn't he wasn't great. He was great with Quintez Cephas. Yeah. And uh so was Alex Hordybrook for that one year in twenty seventeen. Like <laughs> the receivers make you pretty darn good. And um Jack Cohn has some really good players to play with at Notre Dame and he's looked good. I'm not saying Jack's not a good quarterback. He is. But I think it's it's probably a little bit unfair to sit there and say that Jack was this or Jack was that. It's kinda like people saying Chase Wolf would be a game manager when he's thrown three interceptions and the twelve passes hey, he's whoa, thrown hey, whoa, 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 You gotta cite your source on that one because who's saying that? Oh, uh, when Graham Mertz was struggling against Penn State? I'm not saying you guys. Hey, I'm not hey, saying you hey, guys. Hey. But there were people that wanted to put him in the game against Penn State. He can't be worse. Guess what? He can be. Zach, Chase Wolf has something that Graham Mertz does not, and that's a touchdown pass this year. It just so happens it's you know the wrong team in the wrong end zone, but he has a touchdown right. pass over Mertz. Right. Uh, so let's say let's say Mertz does have to be unleashed. Are we going to see you know Paul Chris on an offense kind of making him do those little dink and dunk passes around the field, or are we going to see him trying to beat Kyle Hamilton, that uh, one of the best players in college football, that safety back there for Notre Dame? I don't, you're not going to beat Kyle Hamilton. <laughs> what you're going to do is beat the guys on the outside, because if you're going to if you're going to stack the box and, and force them to beat Graham Mertz, beat you, well then you're going to have to make plays on the outside, and they just haven't thrown the ball down the field. I think Graham's throwing the ball down twenty yards. Or further down the field, like five times this year, you know, what, five times or less this year, hmm. Cone's thrown twenty plus down the field already. So, yeah, they they're going to have to. I would stay away from Kyle Hamilton at all costs. Um, you know what I mean? Like I, I think Jake Ferguson is kind of probably going to be a, a non-factor in this game, largely due to Kyle Hamilton. The thing with Kyle Hamilton, you just don't want to make the huge, huge mistake because uh, he he leads. He's uh, top of the lead in the country in interceptions. He's great in the run game. Like he, he's going to make his plays. You just don't want him to make the game-changing play. And um, I think that would be my biggest concern when it, when it comes to Grant Mertz in this game. So, looking at uh, the defense for Wisconsin, then is uh, this obviously is the strong point besides the running attack on the offense. But the defense for Wisconsin, um, realistically, if 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 you know how if. Worst case scenario, Notre Dame wins. How would they do so against a stout Wisconsin defense? Hit the big plays. Is that just that? Just that simple? It it is. I mean, I I, I think just before like so, I, I do want to mention that Notre Dame's defense not great. You know, not great. Anybody stretch, but they've gotten after the quarterback. They've got thirteen sacks. It's tied for fifth most in the country. So I think that's also something to watch on offense before we move to the other side of the ball. Uh, that said, Wisconsin's defense should be able to have a ton of time in the backfield against Notre Dame because their offensive line has just been uh, horrendous to this point. They're down to their third left tackle. They've, they've all, they were already, you know, uh, trying to replace four guys that ended up in the NFL. So it's it has been a really, really tough, tough job trying to keep Jack Cohn upright. He's got he's been sacked 14 times already. He was sacked 20 times total in his season as a starter at Wisconsin in 2019. So he's, he's taken a lot of hits. The thing about him is, it doesn't really affect him. He still stands in there and he throws the ball down the field. And we saw against Penn State that there may be a little bit of a concern if uh, a guy gets enough time to be able to toss the ball down the field against that secondary. Now, they weren't physical mistakes in that game against Penn State. It was more mental. Um, and you would hope that uh, a senior-laden group like that isn't going to make catastrophic mistakes like that yeah. uh, in, in a second game this year. But you don't know. I, I think, obviously, Notre Dame saw the tape against Penn State. They know some of the things that maybe challenge will challenge Wisconsin, and I would imagine we see some of it. But Jack Cohn's has been slinging it down the field a bunch this year, and I think we see a ton of it uh, tomorrow. The other guy, I, we, we talked about Jack Cohn, but the other guy probably fans should look out for is Tyler Buckner, 
you know, he had a hamstring injury last year, but or last week, so he didn't play a ton. But he's the true freshman quarterback, and he can run. And uh, he's he's got close to 100 yards on 10 carries already. So, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting chess match between Notre Dame and and uh, Jim Leonard. Zach, we're going to follow along at your Twitter account at Zach Heilprin and at We appreciate the opportunity for you hopping on before you go to Chicago. Yeah, and before we let you go, Zach, can you give us a guttural scream? Yeah, we've been screaming today about the Brewers. Can you give us, okay. like, a scream? <laughs> oh, is that a, is that a no? What, did you just pinch one of your testes? <laughs> <laughs> Zach, we love you. Thanks for playing along. Yep, got See you, buddy. And enjoy the game. See you, buddy. There he is, Zach Heilprin. We need more killer instinct on the zone. I'll give you a scream. Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code THEZONE125. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. And with that, we welcome in, oh, well, that transition, Tyler James, our Notre Dame insider for the South Bend Tribune, NDInsider.com. Be sure to follow him on Twitter as well at TJamesNDI. Tyler, good morning. How we doing? Good morning. How are you guys? I'm doing pretty well. Ready for uh, an interesting football game tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you just heard uh, Nick and one of our listeners. He's predicting a Badgers victory. Are you surprised that Wisconsin is favored by six and a half points entering this game at Soldier Field? Um, not terribly. I mean, I, I don't think the way Notre Dame has played the past three games, I don't think there's a lot of Notre Dame backers that feel a lot of, very confident in what Notre Dame's going to be able to do on Saturday. Um, so I think that probably has impacted the line somewhat. I, I don't, I don't know that I would have thought it would be that large of a line right. in Wisconsin's favor, but, um, I think, uh, Notre Dame has, I think just as many questions as it has answers about what it is this season after the way it's played three games and, only one real comfortable win, and that was because they scored a touchdown with like six minutes left in the fourth quarter to make it a, a fourteen point game. So it's not like um, they've been they've been uh, controlling controlling the game against their first three opponents. Well, something we're comfortable here is our defense for the Badgers, but something that's kind of got an uneasy feeling for us, I guess, would be Graham Mertz, the quarterback, because he's really only looked good against Illinois last year. In Illinois, well, not good last year, obviously, but. The Fighting Irish have a guy that we're very familiar with, the former quarterback for Wisconsin, Jack Cohn. How are you guys liking Cohn down there? Yeah, Jack, I think he's played pretty well. He has the unfortunate uh, um, opportunity to play behind an offensive line that is really struggling, and he's not exactly the most fleet of foot that can that can help out an offensive line with, with some scrambling, which which Notre Dame has been used to the last three seasons with Ian Book as their quarterback. Um, so it's it's been a... Uh, um, a tough start for him in, in terms of the fact that he's getting sacked a lot, um, but he's made a lot of good throws. The, the the passing offense has really been what has carried the offense because they haven't really been able to establish a consistent running game. So a lot has been put on his shoulders. He's, he's handled a situation where a freshman Tyler Buckner has entered the game because Tyler is a more athletic quarterback and, and gives Notre Dame a running threat, and that's really been the best way that Notre Dame has been able to run the ball when they have of running quarterback out there in addition to their running backs, and, and it just makes the defense have to focus on an extra person because um, they're not as concerned about Jack Cohn keeping it on a read option as they are with, with Tyler Buckner. So he's handled that well. I can't imagine that's a very easy thing to, to do, but um, last week wasn't his sharpest game, but he made a couple big throws that were that were needed um, for, for Notre Dame to sort of win um, against Purdue. And uh, so I think he, 
he's had a pretty good start, but he's not necessarily overwhelming anyone necessarily either. Now that game against Toledo, um, you know, Cone gets that finger dislocated, and then he gets it popped back into place, right, and goes and throws then the game-winning touchdown. Uh, did Jack Cone kind of cement himself early on as kind of like a soldier out there for you guys, like getting his finger popped back in and throwing a tutty? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of respect for him on the team, and the guys after the game were like, "Yeah, I mean that it, that was pretty cool, but it was also like that's kind of who we who we know Jack Cone to be. He's he's sort of unflappable um, and doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. So his finger gets so good, he just runs to the sideline, waves his finger, which funnily enough was his middle finger at a trainer. <laughs> the trainer the trainer pops it back in, and he runs back out there. His teammates didn't even necessarily know what. what what had happened, but he went back in there the very next play. He throws a touchdown pass to win the game. So um, he uh, has gained a lot of respect. That they really appreciate what he brings to the offense um, and uh, has made, as I mentioned, a, a number of big throws for Notre Dame to, to allow them to be 3-0. Well, that's probably from his entire career with Wisconsin and now Notre Dame. That's probably the most disrespectful thing he's ever done, flip the middle finger to a trainer <laughs> to get it fixed. Because even when he was balling out against Florida State and, and – having just a hell of a game you had former badgers that are now in the pros or have have moved on and current badgers that were still tweeting at him congratulating him because that's just kind of the teammate and leader that he was for wisconsin and i'm I'm glad to see that he got another shot at a university like notre dame yeah definitely tyler yeah sorry tyler continue he said something after the game that was pretty funny because the, the game was uh a very close game and so someone asked if uh he could have asked for a better like first game start, and he said, "Well, it was a little too ex- exciting for my liking." And that just feels like it perfectly describes Jack Cohn because he just <laughs> seems to be a guy that just wants to get out there and do his job and doesn't really care for all the dramatics around it. Hey, I want to ask you about uh, Notre Dame's defense coming up here, but first, looking at Wisconsin's defense, if Notre Dame now obviously we're hoping Wisconsin wins, and I know uh, covering the team and whatnot, you would prefer if you know for the storylines, you know typing up and writing stories about Notre Dame Even winning. though you have to stay neutral. Yeah. If if Notre Dame is to win this game against that, you know, that tough, stout Wisconsin defense, how do they do it? Yeah, well, I think Graham Mertz has to continue to throw interceptions. I think that is the key for Notre Dame's defense. Notre Dame's defense has been pretty good with five interceptions so far this season. Kyle Hamilton is, um, I don't even know that it's an argument, the best safety in college football. Um, and so he is going to be roaming around the field and, and trying to force Graham Mertz into some mistakes. Um, the offense is going, Notre Dame's offense is going to need a couple of big plays because I'm not sure they're going to be able to have success running the football, but whether it's a, a big run that one springs loose of after running for two yards a game, <laughs> a game um, uh, for the rest of the game, um, or um, a deep pass or even maybe like a screen pass. The running backs are good receivers for Notre Dame, um, so they'll be looking to get, take advantage of that as well. Um, so I think that's the recipe. Make Wisconsin turn the ball over um, to sort of shorten their ability to sort of control the game and, and run the ball against them. Uh, and then also offensively for Notre Dame to sort of strike with some big plays because I don't know that Notre Dame is going to put together a lot of like 10-play, 75-yard touchdown drives. It's going to be um, their scoring drives will be probably shorter drives that, that – they were able to spring loose for if, if they're going to have some success. So Tyler, uh, Tyler James joining us right now. Follow him on Twitter, T James NDI you know, for the South Bend Tribune ND Insider. So Tyler, what's uh, what's your what's your plan of attack for the game? Are you going to be out there tailgating in the in the sea of humanity at Soldier Field? Like what what's your plan of attack? <laughs> no, I will not be tailgating. We will uh, <laughs> be leaving here at uh, leaving South Bend at eight a.m. Eastern and driving up tomorrow morning and. Just uh, getting to work and then trying to uh, stay out of trouble and uh, 
Um, have a good time. I, uh, I'm actually a Bears fan, so I've been Ooh. to Soldier Field a number of times, um, and a number of times um, in a non-working capacity. So I've enjoyed myself plenty of times at Soldier Field. So uh, I think I think this this one time I could I could control myself and be uh, be working in a in a in a proper manner. Well, here in Madison, I'll have a couple extra beers for you. Okay, brother, I'll do that. I'll do that just for you. <laughs> All right, sounds good. So uh, looking at this game, then uh, you know the Wisconsin obviously the good defense. Uh, I want to focus on Kyle Hamilton. I know you kind of brought his name up already. Is this is the defense go the way of Kyle Hamilton? I know he's back there as a safety, but is this guy the uh, the the you know the stick? that stirs the drink for the Notre Dame defense? He's definitely the playmaker. I think the defense, and and we've sort of seen this in the first three games, even for as great as Kyle Hamilton is, they they can still have a mistake here or there that is away from him and that that can be taken advantage of. Notre Dame's defense, especially in the first two games against Toledo and Florida State, gave up some big plays that were sort of like backbreakers that just didn't allow Notre Notre Dame to sort of take control and stay ahead in the game. Um, and they did a better job against Purdue against that. Um, so I think Kyle Hamilton is certainly the guy that's sort of in the middle of a lot of the big plays for them defensively. Um, but the key, I think, to overall defense for Notre Dame is preventing those big plays. Don't get Houston Griffith, Notre Dame safety, messed up in one-on-one coverage against a guy that he's not fast enough to cover. Um, don't get a linebacker matched up on a running back that can't run with the running back and, and let him get a long game. Um, so those are, those would be the, the biggest keys in my opinion, especially against Wisconsin. Wisconsin wants to sort of sort of beat you to death with the football yeah. and, and to give up to give up the big plays. I think Wisconsin would be happy to have some big plays, but I think um, Notre Dame just really can't afford to allow Wisconsin to score um, at a rapid r- rate by any means because. If Wisconsin does get that lead, it's going to be really hard to, to try to come back on them. So, uh, Tyler, before I let you go, and I do have to pick your brain really quick about uh, your AL team there out of the Central, the White Sox. I'm looking at your Twitter account right now. Just uh, I have, a, I have sure. a proclamation I want to make with the White Sox and the Brewers. But before that, what do you think the crowd's going to be like at Soldier Field? I mean, Wisconsin's got a big fan base, obviously. It's not too far from Chicago. we got a bunch of people in Chicago, but Notre Dame is a national brand, right? What do you think it's going to be like there for the fan base? 50-50, 60-40 Notre Dame? What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I, I, my understanding is that the, the ticket allotment was 50-50, but obviously that doesn't necessarily reflect what happens on the secondary market. Um, I, I, I was so Folks at Vivid Seats, one of the secondary market places, they reached out to me and said that they are forecasting a 55-45 split in Notre Dame's favor. Now, I don't know how accurate that will end up being, but I, I, I expect it to be pretty close. I think there's probably a lot of Wisconsin's that are very fired up about this. Um, there's Notre Dame fans that are very fired up. I think both of them are maybe a little disappointed how the season has started, but I think this is too like too cool of an event for fans to like be dissuaded we to, like to, party. to go to a game like we this. Like to party. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I know we don't work for the universities and we don't really have any pull on this, but can we at least come to an agreement that after the these non you know uh, neutral field games can we please can we please 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 have a home and home where wisconsin can go to notre dame stadium and notre dame can come to camp randall because that would be 10 times better yeah i'm all in favor of that i think notre dame is usually in favor of those things like they're they're always up for going to a home i mean they played a home and home against georgia Uh, one of the difficulties for notre dame is sometimes like they would like to i mean they they, because they're a uh an independent, they can schedule non-conference games sort of throughout the season around their, their five ACC games a year. And so, especially with like the SEC, it's hard for them to get an SEC team to come up to, 
to South Bend outside of September because SEC teams don't want to have any SEC's sort of chance cowards. About, the, about the cold, the cold weather. And I don't think that Wisconsin would have that problem. Obviously, um, as the, the, the conferences uh, um, sort of make their conference schedules longer, it's a little bit tougher to make those schedules work. But I think um, if Notre Dame can work that out, I think I think there's probably a lot of interest in that, especially from the fan base. So I'm obviously biased since I grew up in the Madison area. Obviously, been a Badger fan my whole life. He's wearing a Wisconsin hoodie right now, by the way. And the way. Camp Randall <laughs> is is electric, especially for big games, and it's, if they put it at night too. But I've also been to Notre Dame Stadium, and that's an awesome campus as well. And that that's a cool place to watch a game too. So I think for both both teams, it would be pretty special and cool. Yeah, yeah, we've seen a lot of fan bases that don't get to get to South Bend very often, and it's, it's like almost a religious experience, whether or not you're Catholic or not, but just sort of being <laughs> there and, and sort of soaking up the tradition of Notre Dame Stadium. It's a very welcoming environment. Like, Notre Dame fans are pretty, aren't very hostile. They, 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 they want they big to, fans to enjoy to interrupt you. Is it really a welcoming environment? You wouldn't even let a drum come into your stadium. <laughs> Is it well, maybe, maybe they're trying Maybe they're maybe they're just trying to change its ML and say, "Hey, we we are serious now. No big chums allowed." Hey, Tyler. Before I let you go, I'm a little jealous of you when it comes to this. Uh, the Brewers were just playing the Cardinals. The Brewers' magic number was sitting at three of uh, you know clinching the NL Central, and said the Cardinals come in and absolutely punk the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm looking here, and you're kind of you know peacocking a little bit on your Twitter account, and rightfully so. What does it feel like to have your AL Central team, the White Sox, clinch? Well, the, the, the division has been sort of out of reach for a while now, so it's only a matter of time. But the White Sox were, were really struggling to sort of close out the division as well. Had been, uh, even had a rain delay the day before, a, a postponement against the Detroit Tigers, so they had to go to Cleveland and had a doubleheader. And so they just got it out of the way in the first game, so that was nice. And I think uh, most of the starters in the second game didn't even play because they, I think they were enjoying themselves a little, a little bit after that first game. So I, uh, it, it was nice uh, the White Sox – haven't been as successful in the second half of the season, so it's just it's been a lot of like, okay, let's just get to the postseason. Hopefully, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll get hot. So they got some time here to get some momentum, and uh, it's, a, it's an exciting team, but it, it, it can be frustrating as well. So I'm interested to see how this playoffs go. All right, last question: Your thoughts on Tony Larusa? Because we Ooh. have a lot of Larusa yeah. haters from uh, White Sox fans in the area. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't a huge Larusa backer, and I, I would say that I'm not necessarily yet. I. I I think I've softened a little, and, and to me, it's like, all right, I'm, the things that he did in the, in the regular season, I was like, well, this is a great team. I don't know that, I mean, I could manage a team that, that is, has this much talent now. And, and, and they had, like, guys coming up from the minors that would play really well right away. It's like, do you think Tony LaRusso is really the one that's making these guys good? He was here for a week. Like, I don't know what LaRusso is doing to, 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 to make this kid a good player. Uh, but to me, it comes down to like the in-game decisions. I, Ricky Renneria was not very good at that. Who, who Tony Larusa replaced, and uh, that's obviously going to be very important in the postseason. So if he makes all the right decisions and um, doesn't make dumb decisions with the bullpen and stuff like that, I will, I will gladly give him his props. Although I think he inherited a very. Uh, a very good situation that many managers will be glad to have. How about this, Tyler? We're going to keep following along. Uh, check out all your work, you know, at ndinsider.com, the South Bench of Buin, following on Twitter as well at tjames, uh, N-D-I. And how about this? When the Brewers get to the World Series and the White Sox are there to meet them, you can come to Milwaukee. We'll show you a good time. All right, that sounds like a plan. All right, sounds good, buddy. Have a good one, and uh, enjoy the game tomorrow, my friend. All right, see you guys. There he is. Tyler James. Good stuff right there with Tyler. That was good. That was good. 
Sunday night, prime time, Rowdy. The Green Bay Packers go out to California and hopefully don't have the uh, <laughs> the California scaries and take on the San Francisco 49ers. And Badgers, they're favored by 6.5. Packers, three-point underdogs against Jimmy GQ and company. Nick Bosa on that defense. I don't know. What's your gut telling you right now about this game Sunday? We'll get into the Badgers coming up. What's your gut telling you about this game Sunday? Obviously, the the notion and the you know the the thing is out there that the Packers and just about any Wisconsin sports team sucks ass in the state of California. That's out there. My biggest takeaway for this game is what is the difference between 2019, 2020, and now this team? Because a uh, lot Randall of the Cobb same, is back. A lot of the same roster for the Packers that play key parts are the same players, correct? Correct. A lot of the same coaches. Yep. Outside of Mike Pettin. Yep. And then I look at the San Francisco 49ers. What are the big differences between the 49ers from 1920 till now? And they have a lot of the same roster, a lot of the same talent. Well, thankfully the guy who ran for like 1000 yards in the NFC Championship game is hurt. Yeah, but Mostert's not there. The thing with the thing with him though is he wasn't really starting. No, he, like just, they, he blew up on the ro- scene. That yeah, they game. rotate. They rotate running backs. And yes, they've had a lot of injuries at running back. They're banged up again this year. But the only difference that I really see between these two teams from 1920 till now, yeah. and we, the Green Bay Packers have gotten throttled every single time. Throttled. The only difference I see is both teams are missing their defensive coordinator. Yeah. Mike yep. Pettin. Yep. For Joe Barry. And, Sala. and then Robert Sala, I'm not exactly sure who replaced him. He's obviously the head coach with the New York Jets now. But he was Matt LaFleur's one of his better best buddies. He lived with Matt LaFleur. They'd always hang out. Wedding. He, he knew how to shut Matt LaFleur and that offense and Aaron Rodgers right down. Now they still have a lot of the same players, but is Robert Sala going to be a big difference defensively when calling it? Because so, we already see that Joe Barry has been a a Joe, difference. Joe from Barry's Mike defense Patton, has no because in two weeks it's been pretty bad. Yeah, there's it's Barryless. So I think there's no cojones that if I'm looking at this game, I think it's going to be uh, higher scoring than some of the the yeah, past what's the games. Over/under on this thing, I'll have to go look. Rowdy, they promoted from within for their DC. D'Amico Ryan's the oh, former linebacker, correct? Texans. Yep, yep. and he's also the former linebackers coach under. Sala. So he is okay. now the DC. Played in the uh, NFL, played at Alabama, I think. Yep. So that's who their defensive coordinator okay, is. Okay, so someone that's in-house. So now that doesn't necessarily mean he's kinda. going to produce exactly what Robert Sala did. But you'd think it'd be similar. And with some of the guys that he has on defense, like the D Fords, the Boses of the world, like mm-hmm. Warner or Warner at linebacker. I mean, they're pretty studly on defense. Um I think the biggest thing is those two defensive coordinators. Where Where is the difference going to be? Can Barry be better than Pettin? So far, he's shown he can't be. Yeah. No. Yeah. Is, is has, Sala, has Joe Barry showed he's any good at all? Is Sala going to be missed? Maybe. Now, San Francisco does have a ton of injuries. They got cluster injuries um, at running back, and I know they have 
Didn't they bring uh, in Josh Norman over. to be in the back there? Yeah, too? they have they have a lot of injuries all over, but running back is a bad one for them. Packers, thankfully, relatively healthy. Except I guess, for that offensive, offensive line. Because line. Elton Jenkins did not practice again. Matt LaFleur said they're going to give him some time off to hopefully be ready for Sunday night football. I don't know. I think I see just a higher scoring game because how good are both of these defenses going to be? Because we know that yeah. we know that Kyle Shanahan's going to scheme stuff up. For sure, he's uh, he's good. He's good. At and what for he the does. most part, you would think that Lafleur, it would be like third times a charm here. One would hope. The over under out is fifty points. Okay, standard NFL over under is like about forty seven, forty eight. Yeah, so about a field goal a little more. Fifty points. Packers are three point underdogs over the San Francisco 49ers. right now. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, let's see here. You know, let's see. Uh, Jimmy G thirty nine and fifty five so far. Total five hundred three yards and two tutties. Jimmy G is never going to be confused with Aaron Rodgers. Let's just uh, put that out there. Uh, but right now, looking at the injury report, Rowdy, uh, there are yeah Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, and then they're questionable, the running backs. And then you also have Raheem Mostert out. And then you look at cornerback, uh, Mosley is questionable, and they got a D tackle and a defensive end questionable. But the Badger, Badger, the Packers have Lancaster, Jenkins, Stokes, DeGuara, and Daphne. I feel like Ryan Lancaster has been questionable his Tyler. whole life. I know. Or sorry, Tyler. Well, I mean, he's not good, so I even bother. So, dude, he was he's gotten absolutely dominated in the first two games. Like bad. Like at what point are you gonna say, screw this, we're gonna have to go with Kiki or even Heflin and give them a chance? Yeah, he's been that's been like, a he's, tough scene. Remember when we were talking about oh, this was when you were gone. It was either we did wasn't it briefly gone, or Rowdy. when you were on vacation and it was Ben and I. I was here in spirit. And that was when I we were talking about defensive line and, and like if Heflin was going to make the team and, mm-hmm. and how it was going to break down. And I said straight up, I'm cutting Lancaster. He's terrible. Yeah, he's not good. He didn't even he didn't even put the fear of God in Badger fans when he was <laughs> playing for Northwestern. Neither did Dean Lowry. Yeah. By so, the way, that Lowry contract... That's probably Goody's worst contract he's ever given out. Is that looking worse and worse? Well, that was where he gave him it was an uh, like six million a year, or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, that's about four million too many. So looking at this game, um, Niners favored. I mean, what a field goal in the NFL, Rowdy. A field goal is essentially that's like just home field advantage, right? I mean, that's just to pick them. Yeah, yeah, they're they're probably saying with a three and a half point line for. San Francisco being favored that they're clearly one a solid half to one point better than the Packers on a neutral. Yeah. All right. So coming up, we'll I mean we'll talk some more. I got comments from Full of Floor, from Rogers, from Randall Cobb, actually. Um and then we'll have Zach Heilprin coming up to uh talk Wisconsin versus Notre Dame at eight twenty. Uh still working on Dan. If not, we'll just move Dan around. If not, we'll get him another time. Uh from best or I'm sorry, half the battle podcast. But Rowdy, looking at the game itself here. Is Aaron Rodgers and what he did and that offense of what they did against the Detroit Lions, Dave Essler, our gambler of the stars, was just on a little bit ago, and he was kind of calling it, what, fool's gold. Would you say it was fool's gold over the Detroit Lions with that offense? Because what we saw against the Saints, what we saw against the Lions, hey, okay. What's the reality of the Packers right now? I know it's only two weeks in. Is it closer to what we saw against the Saints, or is it closer to what we saw against the putrid Lions? Yeah, I do think it's fool's gold because look at what Detroit did. They went right up and down the field at the beginning of the game and scored touchdowns. Mm -hmm. They were winning at halftime. Thankfully, they made a couple mistakes. Jared Goff fumbled the football. Jared Goff threw an interception, and the rain came. 
it got harder. I get it got harder just to move the ball in general, and the Packers already had a comfortable lead due to the turnovers. And you know how much fool's gold I think it is. How much, I think Rudy? it's about the same amount of fool's gold that we were sold when Christian Yelich had about a month long where he hit well. Uh oh! If you missed it earlier, we'll get back into what we are livid. That's over the what kind happened of fool's the gold it is. What happened to the Brewers yesterday at American Family Field? Like, there's there's no reason. If you look at this defense, there's absolutely been like hardly any changes since 2019. It's almost the same defense. The only thing that they're they're doing is getting older. Yep. And we know in the NFL that's not necessarily a good thing to get older. You don't have a very long Unless shelf you're Tom life. Brady. Yeah, you don't have very long shelf life in a young man's game that is the NFL. I mean, the average career is like three and a half years long. Yep. These guys, basically from 2019, it's almost the same core of guys. They've only gotten older. Yes, they've brought in some draft picks. Yes, they've brought in a few different guys here and there. But overall, it's about the same. The only thing that's different is your defensive coordinator. And he's... That means he... That means he's going to have to make the difference. Like how much? Oh my God! Did you just say that Joe Barry is going to have to be the difference in this game? Yeah. Oh, if they want to, if they want to be Lord. a bet, like how else? Where are you going to find the difference? <laughs> Zadarius Smith in 2019 had like a career year. Yeah. And Preston he's out. Smith in 2019 had a career year. He we looked know. he looked pretty bad in 2020. Preston Smith, that is. Mm-hmm. Zadarius Smith still really serviceable, probably their best pass rusher. In 2021, he's hurt. Preston Smith's just another year older, still waiting on Rashawn Gary. Yeah, what's up with him? He ain't doing too much. Defensive he? line, Kenny Clark's your your solid, but that defensive line has relatively been the same outside of uh, Heflin, who yeah. was an undrafted free agent that made your roster. Everyone else is basically the same. Kenny Clark's the only one that's good. Lancaster's just getting well, older. Well, Lowry's they, just getting older. That's why they brought this roster back, right, Rowdy? Because we've been to two NFC Championship games. We got to get third times a charm over the hump. Well. It's three years now. What's the average year of a career? Three and a half, three years? Think Just because time marches on doesn't mean these guys are going to get better like fine wine. It's the NFL. You can start dropping yeah, off real quick. Inside linebacker has been a revolving door because they haven't been able to find one. And then your secondary has basically been the exact same for the most part since 2019 too. Man. Like, Big game coming obviously up Obviously you added Eric Stokes, but you still have Kevin King. You still have Jair Alexander. You still have uh, Savage. You still have um, Amos. And like, let's think about it. In 2019, 2020, Amos had like career years. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Savage played out of his mind as a rookie, kind of came back to earth in 2020, but showed some flashes at the end of the season. I mean, Kevin King is Kevin King. Jair Alexander is Jair Alexander. He's one of the best corners in the league. Eric Stokes is a wild card. Everyone else in that secondary is basically the same. And you can only have career years so many times. And what I'm getting at (laughs) is you can't all of a sudden hope that these guys continue to have career years as they get older or that these guys, like you said, continue to get better like fine wine as they get older. It's just not a thing in the NFL. The big thing that they were bringing in to hope to be a difference, I guess, was Joe Barry. And he was the second choice. Exactly. Let's go to the phones. Welcome to the show. Who's this? This is Bill. Hey, Bill. What's up, man? I'll tell you what, guys. Can I have Festivus in September? <laughs> yes. There's, air your grievances, Bill. Air them out. Okay. I've got like five of them. Well, the stage and is five, yours. And I've been waiting all week. I couldn't get through whatever. Oh, the, hey, I, Bill, real quick. My grievance is with uh, uh, the cell co- or the phone company. They shut down our lines. So, Bill, I'm going to turn your fader up even louder. That way you can scream your grievances. Go. My first one is Rashawn Gary blocking Rowdy from his Twitter account or whatever. <laughs> How, who does Rashawn Gary think he is? I mean, 
who is dumb enough to draft a project at number 12 to switch positions and think he deserves to be drafted at number 12? I mean, you're showing it right. He's showing it right here. And on that, Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry, I think Mark Murphy is no different than uh, Jerry Jones, than Dan Snyder. Everything he touches is poison. He just has Everything less money. He touches poison. He has way less money. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> who fires a defensive coordinator that, you know, I think he's done a pretty good job to take a huge, 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 without locking somebody better up, and then taking a huge step back. Who does that? Who's dumb enough? How is Matt LaFleur dumb enough to do that? That is stupid. I hear everybody talk about 13-3. and three. I guarantee you, if Matt LaFleur didn't have Aaron Rodgers, he would not be 26-6 and six in the regular season. Yeah, the last he might be 6-26. and 26. I don't know, but he definitely isn't. He hasn't won two thirteen seasons. Yep. And then Aaron Rodgers. Let's see. We've had four halves, and they've had their ass kicked for three of the four halves, right? Yep. How how does that mean? Great. How because he's had one good half. How does that mean they're great? He's doing well, and the monkey's off his back. Bill, is there how, any mean, more? Is there any more grievances? I'm going to respond to some of them. Is there any more? Oh, one last one. Yeah, yeah. Forty million dollars a year, right? Yep. Shouldn't you work harder in the offseason if you're making $40 million a year? Mm, mm -mm. That's called resting on your laurels. I mean, isn't the expectation when you're going to carry the team and they're going to pay you, what, 20% or more of their their salary for this year? Mm -hmm. And you're one of 53 players? Isn't the expectation that you're going to work? Yeah. Bill, are you still there? Bill. I'm done. Bill, I hear... Here's what I'm going to tell you. I was, I didn't like the fact that the phones were down almost half the week, all the week, but I'm glad they were now because that phone call you just had was saved up all week and you just unleashed a fantastic call of the day. Well done. Well done. I feel great. Oh, can I say one more thing? Of course. How do you, how do you not make Graham Mertz earn the job? How do you just give it to him? Does it ever work when you give somebody the job? Uh, and I'm not, not really. talking this year, but remember last year when Mertz was hurt and they wouldn't even play Cone and was it Iowa? Yeah, uh, yep. Cone was dressed and with the team. How do, how 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 do you just hand? I mean, I know Mertz is supposed to be the second coming, but how do you just hand the team to somebody who's had one good game? How do you not make it a competition? It's uh, it's, it's yeah. well, I mean, Chase Wolf was just that bad, I guess, and I th- especially the ship had when you had competitions. I'm not making excuses. I'm just trying well, to talk I'm, through it. I'm saying, especially when you had competitions in the past that Graham Mertz never won. Yeah, right. Bill, um, on your grievances, um, a lot of them are just electric. I love it. You know my disdain for Mark Murphy, so I'm right there with you. And um, when it comes to the Brewers, though, I noticed that they weren't on your airing of grievances. I, I, I take it you maybe didn't know or see what happened yesterday, and maybe you didn't. I you did. Just heard, oh, yeah, yeah. I did. But what, you know what? I do. I mean, I remember calling <laughs> in, and, and we talked about, you know, we were just hoping that the Brewers won 82 games this year. Yep, yep. And now, you know, and, and in January, it was even worse than that because we didn't know what we were going to do for a third baseman or a first baseman and, you know, the corners and – you know, it's just—I mean, I so hope they do well. You, you're looking at a glass that. half full. You're a glass half full man on this, right? I think the Brewers have given me a lot of excitement, but I'm worried they're kind of like the A's, and they're just gonna—they—they they don't have another step for the playoffs, another and, gear to put in. Bill, I appreciate the phone call. Does the airing of grievances make you feel better now? 
Guys, I am smiling. I feel so much better. I hope you guys have a great weekend, and I hope I'm wrong, and I hope Aaron Rodgers has a great full four, two halves, four quarters. Yep, yep, yep. I hope Joe Barry makes adjustments and he does a great job. I hope Graham Mertz shows that he earned the job. I hope all that happens. Bill, I love it. And I'm, I'm unfortunately, we can't do the feats of strength to officially end Festivus where one of us has to be pinned. <laughs> but we'll wait for that come December, okay? Ebo, I have that dad strength. Oh, are you rocking your starter jacket right now? Some like some like Levi's and some New Balance, white New Balance shoes, by chance? No, oh, okay. no, but I still have that dad strength. <laughs> I know you. I love it, <laughs> Bill. Always a pleasure, man. Nice hearing from you. Take care, guys. Everybody. Well, I mean, to state that the, was a good phone call. To state the facts, kind of like a Bill, highly successful NFL head coach did one time. You got rid of Mike Pettin, who had never not coached a top fifteen defense, for a guy that has never not coached. A bottom five defense. Yeah. Like, and then obviously. The Packers have given up the most amount of touchdowns in the first two games in the history of the Green Bay Packers. And obviously that wasn't their first choice. So not only did you strike out with your first, but you got stuck with your second, who is obviously worse than the guy you had. Yeah. Corey and Marshall wanted me to play some Megadeth sweating bullets because that's how we're feeling about the Brewers right now. The Badgers. And the Packers. I'm the, I'm the most confident in the Badgers than all the teams right now. Dave Essler, good morning, Dave. How are we doing today? Well, good morning. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm not often at a loss for words, but I am a little bit here. Well, I was too in Fuller. The uh, listener message like, I'd love to hear Dave's O face. I'm like, this is a family program, Dave. We're not going to be doing that. Hey, Dave, I'm like, and Rowdy might be more mad than I am. What the hell happened with the Brewers yesterday? Um, well, I'm just kind of just throwing it out there. Have you ever been so mad at something, a bet, maybe a bad beat, that you just had to let out a primal, guttural scream? Um, no, but if I didn't pass out before, <laughs> I would have. In 19, 1986, Bill Buckner. Oh, oh no. Yeah, yeah. I was in a hotel room in Florida watching the game, and they were way ahead, and I was drinking, and I kind of just figured it was over, and went back to my hotel room and and uh, passed out. Basically, I drank too much, and I woke up in the morning, and it was a, a total WTF moment. Oh, so no. that just—I probably would have, um, but then I was so hungover, it just didn't matter. Yeah, then your head just banging too much. You're like, uh, yeah. uh, Dave, what's yeah. up, man? How you been? How was the week that was so far? Well, I, you know, I, I, I got to say, it's been a whole lot more placid than the anxiety you guys have in Wisconsin. Ugh, I know. We got... I mean, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you love laughing at our pain, don't you, Esler? You love it. You um, <laughs> only, because I, only because I'm full of empathy. I've been there. <laughs> hey, Dave, something that we're curious on is I've been looking forward to this for a long time, and that's Wisconsin versus Notre Dame. Uh, it's going to be uh-huh. a, an electric game. Six and a half points going to the Badgers, though. Do you do you have an inkling of why they're favored so high? That's because that was kind of surprising to me. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you have to like the Badgers as a as an innocent bystander that I am. I mean, you know, you got the Badgers are ranked 18th, and they're almost a six point favorite to the 12th ranked team. I mean, that's that's saying something. You know, and, that, and basically that says that on a neutral field they'd be slight favorites, and you know I, I would totally disagree with that. I mean, 
as you guys just mentioned a little bit ago, Notre Dame was taken to OT by FSU, and I don't care when, where, and how that game was played, they were taken to OT by FSU. Um, you know, I was talking to Rowdy about this earlier in the week, and, and uh, I just see uh, a Notre Dame defense that might make Mertz look like Jack Cohn. Oh. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking... I'm thinking Notre Dame. They give up a lot of chunk plays. I, I just don't. I just don't see how Notre Dame covers that unless I'm missing something. So I have to. I have to be a, a pseudo homer here and go with the Badgers. God, I knew. I knew. I, I knew. I kind of liked you, Dave. That's. I'm. I like that. I mean, you can. You can. Well, I guess us, you know. The, I mean. I mean, you guys would know better than me, but you know. Well, Dave, you're like, I, you're like I, hitting, I, what are you hitting on college football right now? Aren't you like shooting like 70 percent or something? Aren't you like unconscious in college football? <laughs> I'm never unconscious. I was in 1986. Yeah, unless unless the Red Sox screw up, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I don't know. They, tell, tell me, you're, you're hitting 78 percent on college football totals. I'm looking here. You're 32 and nine. Yeah, we lost that one last night. I had the under in that stupid App State game, and I got 28 points in the second quarter, and still only missed it by a couple. But you know, so I'm not. I'm not that's not. I'm not screaming, Matt. I'm just not happy. Okay. Um, yeah. Tell me, tell me the mood of the Badgers. I mean, are they, are they, are they? Do they have a vendetta against Cone, or do they just kind of go, yeah, whatever? I think they're all buddy. I mean, they're also friends. They left on good terms. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, former and current Badger players tweeting at Jack Cone or tweeting about Jack Cone when he played well, especially against FSU. I bet you, if you're getting inside the mind of Graham Mertz, you know, see, you've seen the movie Being John Malkovich. If you're being Graham Mertz, yeah. you would be Graham Mertz would want to obviously best Jack Cone and prove the Wisconsin Badger faithful that he was the right choice and option moving forward. So there's that, you know. I don't feel like there's any anger though. I yeah, feel like if anything, it's kind of just a pivotal game for their season in general, not a vendetta against Jack Cone. I think well, maybe more, there should be. Maybe there should be. I think there's more vendetta probably for Jack Cohn against Paul Chris and the Wisconsin Badgers than there is the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 that's the only thing that scares me about laying those points. But Dave, what doesn't? You know, you what, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, I just want to get your bets in because you're such a fountain of knowledge, Dave. When it comes to what you're looking at in college football, what's something you're eyeing up that's like this? This is a this is a nice one. This is a good one. Well, you know, somebody just texted me from Vegas about that, and I'm like, you know, I can't find one that stands out. I do like Kansas State plus points um, at Oklahoma. I know they're down Skylar Thompson, their quarterback, but their offense doesn't ask a quarterback to do a whole lot, and I, I think they might stay within the number because that's a fairly low total. Um, I kind of like the uh, Texas, Texas Tech over. That's one I'm looking at. I know it's a little polygonic slash square, but I do like it. I think the UCLA-Stanford game may well go over. I think that that total is reflective of typically what you would think of Stanford games or Wisconsin games, too, if you will. You know, kind of a grinded-out offense with a good defense, but I don't think that's Stanford this year. You know, I think they're a little tired. They played in Vanderbilt last week. I know they didn't have to work too hard, but they still had a fly. So I think that game, I think that game goes over as well. Uh, they moved to the NFL I see the Packers are three point underdogs against the Niners. What do you think about that one? I, I know you're not. I know you're not. You know, say things to appease us. Like I, I get that. Like you, you like seeing us squirm a little bit. What do you like, or what do you see in this uh, game against you know Niners Packers prime? Well, you're already, you're, already, you're already squirming a fair bit with the Brewers, so I don't I don't want to pile on. That's not my mo. Um, okay, then you, what about when, what about your Patriots? Then when, favored by three. I don't see how they're not favored by more, to be honest with you. There we go. There we go. Rowdy took it I earlier mean, this week. Well, I would. I mean, I, I, you know, 
how do you not? I mean, show me what the Saints are capable of doing. I, I don't think so. I, I actually, I have to kind of lean San Francisco in that game. I don't know why. I mean, I, I think people might be overreact nationally anyway, overreacting to the Packers putting up a ton of points against Detroit. I mean, you know, that game, they could have lost that ATS, which would have made a big difference. But, you know, I mean, aside from the Packers winning once, I think that San Francisco kind of owns them. I mean, they played like, what, eight times in nine years or nine times in eight years or something. And the 49ers, yeah, the Packers kind of got their payback last year, but yeah. nobody played Nobody played for San Francisco. And I, I just I just don't know that, that the Packers can – can hang. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think that line is an overreaction to the Packers getting it done last week, which, you know, I don't call getting it done beating the crap out of the line, to be honest. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I know San Francisco was banged up big time last year, but that was the same good, deep team that they had the year before where they played in the Super Bowl, and it's kind of the same thing this year, but they've had a ton of injuries. But if you show me a Matt LaFleur-led Green Bay Packer team that goes to the West Coast and, and does really well against the Kyle Shanahan team, You'd be showing me that team for the first time because they get. Yeah, I, I would home. agree with you. I mean, I, I just hope the 49 if, if I was to make that bet, or I was, you know, if I was a Packers fan, I would be praying that Garoppolo wouldn't start. But you know, I don't know if. if I mean, that would change everything if you know, because now they're talking about you know we didn't we didn't we didn't draft this guy and pay him a lot of money to you know take garbage snaps so. I'm hoping if I was a Packers fan, I was hoping that would be true, and they would stick him in Sunday, and then I think maybe Green Bay would have a chance. Yeah. But if they play, if Garoppolo plays, I don't see, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't care. How about that? But if I was, which is good, because if I was to bet, I would actually have to take San Francisco. Dave, just a quick question here: If you're a Packer fan and you're looking to bet the game, do you think you would rather take Packers plus three and a half or Packers money line? I, I think I'd almost be willing to take money line just because what we've seen in the past with these two teams linking up with these coaches is one, the offense really never gets it going. And we know the Packers defense is trash. I think the only way they win is like a shootout, kind of like how that lion game started. Cause I don't see them keeping it close with three and a half points. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does, and it's true in the NFL that more often than not, if the underdog covers the spread, they do win the game outright. I guess I, you know, I should probably stick by that and agree with you. But then, by the other token, it's like, well, why would I? Why would I want to be like super greedy and you know take you know plus one forty or whatever yeah. when I could just take minus one ten? I mean, I guess it goes down to you know if you're playing with a hundred dollars and it doesn't matter. Yeah, maybe if you're if you're looking at it percentage wise. I don't think it's a good idea. I truly think it, it's probably a good idea. What I would do blindly is I would tease the Packers up to 10. Oh, you little you, know, you teaser, you Dave. You teaser. Well, you know, you want to win, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I'd tease, tease them up to 10 with some afternoon game and then, then maybe go back and try to be really smart. And if the afternoon game covers, then I would take the 49ers money line and then hope San Francisco wins by between 1 and 9, which... yeah. I do that. I do that quite a bit on Sundays. Yeah, you are quite a tease, aren't you? Hey, Dave. Before I let you go, my friend, Ryder Cup getting underway here uh, up Whistling Straits in the Sheboygan area, Wisconsin. Absolutely beautiful. One of the best courses in all of the world. Who's winning this thing, Dave? Usually we ask about your golf game, but right now I'm wondering: Is Team USA going to do it or Team Europe? Well, you're asking me to to be a homer again. I mean, it's in Wisconsin. You got Steve Stricker, a Wisconsin Pride boy. Pride Edgerton, baby. I mean, 
how can you not how can you not like Team USA? Um, you know, it'll be dramatic. It'll come down to Sunday about five PM your time. Yeah. I'll, I'll take I'll take I'll take you I'll take I'll take Europe. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you're always full of surprises. That's why we love you, man. Hey, thanks for uh, hearing us screaming in the mic and playing along and, you know, just being a tease. Dave, once the United States uh, takes this one, we're going to have to circle back. Yeah, we'll circle back. I'll be here. <laughs> Dave, we got to get you up to Wisconsin. We should go party. We should be partying this weekend, uh, not for the Badger game. Well, we should do a Badger tailgate, but then party up in uh, the Sheboygan area, do it. We could have been loaded at Whistling Straits. Well, I, awesome. I was kind of. I was going to. I was going to wait a couple weeks till the Dodgers come to town. Oh God! Don't get rowdy started on that one. If if they're <laughs> if they're playing in the NLCS and it's at American Family Field, we're going. Dave, you're the man, brother. Have a good weekend. Happy um, gambling. Yeah, you guys too. Thanks. See you, buddy. I love that guy. Our guy, Dan, from Half the Battle. Dan, what's up, my brother? How we living? Oh, uh, man, we're doing absolutely amazing. Uh, firstly, guys, I owe you an apology for missing your call earlier. You know, it's funny. If, if I piss off a lady friend, I usually offer to go over to her place, cook her dinner, and make up for it like that. But with y'all, we got to figure something out, man. So I'm just happy to be here. Oh, Dan, first of all, we, we don't apologize, so we don't expect you to apologize. So don't apologize. You can make it up to us uh, this way right here. I have to ask you a question, not fight-related. <laughs> Did I see my man, Dan from Half the Battle, at a 311 concert? Yeah, man, I'm actually a big fan of theirs. You know, it's funny. Uh, you might not know this. I've seen them like 20 times because they were actually – the first show i ever saw when i was just a kid and yeah, yeah they're uh, one of those bands that they love atlanta i love them and I've seen them many times dan was amber the color of your energy earlier this week <laughs> you're, you're darn right about that <laughs> dude i love me some 311 rowdy's like you gotta check out dan he was just at a 311 concert because well, rowdy was chuckling it, it, yeah it came up like on my playlist and i don't mind it and then ebo was talking about it and then all of a sudden i see I like your picture at a 311 concert and i go yes i can't wait to have him on this week dude did they play down <laughs> what, what did they close with what was like the closing song Exactly. They click close with down, you know, dedicated it to all the old school fans. Oh, so, dude, yeah. awesome. It, it so awesome. cool. That's 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 awesome. So Dan, uh, you know, half the battle podcast, we love consuming that and whatnot. We got UFC two sixty six uh on the horizon here. I'm just gonna ask right away just because I know these names big time. A guy making his first appearance since twenty fifteen, another one on the twilight of his career here. Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. What were we thinking in this one? I mean, we're thinking we're going to get to see two legends go out there and throw down. I mean, that's the bottom line. Look, we don't know what to expect from Nick Diaz. I mean, last time we saw him was against Anderson Silva a long time ago. Now, to his credit, he's fought at middleweight more recently than Robbie Lawler at 185 pounds. Now, Robbie used to fight there back in the day, but he hasn't fought there in a very long time. One thing we do know is that Robbie Lawler has not been the same since the Carlos Condit fight. I mean, he is out here losing fights in the first round to guys like Ben Askren. And I'm not talking about Ben Askren, you know, many years ago when this guy was on that big run. I'm talking about the fat out of shape Ben Askren. And <laughs> you can call it a controversial ref's decision all you want, but the fact that it even got to controversy, that speaks volumes in my eyes. Robbie Lawler is the reason that Tyron Woodley touched a gold belt in the UFC. So I'm not disrespecting uh, Robbie. I think he's a legend of the sport and one of the most exciting fighters ever. But you'd be a fool to believe that he's 
you know, been the same or better since the Condit fight because he absolutely hasn't. So we know exactly what to expect from Lawler. He's a washed up version of uh, uh, he's a washed up version of himself, but we don't know what to expect from Nick Diaz. So that's the big question. And I think when people are looking at Nick Diaz. You saw him in shape like two months ago when he started his camp, and then all of a sudden you see him come out for like the, the weigh-ins, and he looks kind of fat and slow, and you're like, what the <laughs> hell? But this could be a Nick Diaz that's kind of sandbagging here because I think I'd be looking to bet Diaz because we know he's a scrapper. I don't think he's there for the paycheck because we know that once you get these, stock, uh, these guys, the Diaz brothers, out there in a scrap, the fight is on. Yeah, I mean, look, it's one of these things where – as long as Nick Diaz doesn't just fall over, he's got a good chance in any fight he's in, especially against someone that's going to stand and bang with him, like Robbie Lawler. And look, the reason I bring up the chances of him potentially falling over, like you said, he's looking kind of fat. He's out of shape. I mean, guys, let's be honest. He's almost 40 years old. So the early going is going to be a sweat. But if he can extend this fight, and you guys know this is a five-round non-title fight. That's the kind of pull the Diaz brothers have, you know what I mean? So if he can extend this into the deep waters and show any glimpse of the Nick Diaz that we know and love, I think he takes this fight. It's just a thing, guys, where this fight is not lined where I think it should be lined. I think it should be lined a 50-50 coin flip, and you get dog money on either side, you go with that. But it's like, you know, that that picture of Nick Diaz came out, and now everybody went to the betting window and bet on a washed-up fighter. So... I'm uh, on the Nick Diaz side here. And I think one thing I like going for Diaz that Lawler doesn't have is he hasn't taken damage in years. And I don't care how he speaks because people are going to say, well, do you see how he talks? It looks like he's taking a lot of damage. <laughs> well, I think that's just him. And I think that uh, he's yeah. he's the fresher guy, even though he looks a little heavy. But I'd agree with you. we got to focus yeah, on the title uh, fight. Yeah, go to the title so, fight. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Oh, we're good. We're, oh, we're, you we're, made we're, such a good point. Yeah, we're just going oh, rapid. Go we're going rapid fire, Dan, because I know you got to do something. You we have gotta... Volkanovski versus Ortega. This is the fight. I know a lot of people like Brian Ortega just from how he's been fighting, but I can't get over how good Volkanovski is. He's the guy that won both fights against Blessed. I mean, he has taken out <laughs> the best of the best in this division. And now, granted, I thought that maybe he lost one of those fights, but it was a coin flip. But he is so freaking good. Yeah, I mean, well said. I mean, look, I had a max bet on Volkanovski against Max the second time. He made me sweat, but he got me the win. It's one of these things where all if you watch the tape on this fight, all the tape indicates that Volkanovski is going to win. All the stats indicate that Volkanovski is going to win. All the logic says that Volkanovski is going to win. But, gentlemen, this is not a logical sport, <laughs> and crazy stuff happens all the time. So it almost like seems too good to be true for me with Volkanovski here. Like like I said, you watch the film, it's going to say Volkanovski's going to win. You look at the stats, it says Volkanovski's going to win. But I don't know, man. I mean, it's one of these things with Ortega. Like, that last fight against Zombie, he looked like a brand new man. And we got to remember, his fight against Max Holloway was in 2018. It's almost 2022, guys. So, you know, <laughs> he's just bound to evolve into a different fighter. And there's all this talk that he only need, he, the only way he can win is via finish. But I can name three... Uh, different fights where he's landed over 100 significant strikes. Uh, the Moicano fight, the Max Holloway fight, the Korean zombie fight. So I think this guy could possibly win a decision too. So don't count that out. And, and to quote uh, to quote um, BJ Penn, just scrap. And that's why I love combat sports because you're never out of the fight. It only takes one punch. It only takes one move until you could potentially win or take the other person out. And 
That being said, that's why it's going to be exciting because we know that both of these guys can have some big-time outputs, and it's going to be a crazy fight. I just, I'm with you. I just don't see how Volkanovski can lose. What's the other one you wanted to get in, Rowdy? The, yeah, the, the other bigger one that we have is Curtis Blades versus Junior Rosenstrike. That's going to be two grown men throwing bombs at each other. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, like I said, Logic says that Curtis Blade should come out here and just take him down and maul him on the map. But Logic said that his last fight, too, against Derek the Black Beast Lewis, and he actually went 0 for 3 on takedowns. So I don't trust Curtis Blades at all, especially at a price like this. Now, don't get me wrong. He probably should come out here and win, but don't be surprised if he gets slept either. But it's the same thing with Ortega with Rosenstrike. It only takes one punch. Exactly. I think the fundamental difference, however, is that Ortega can maintain the volume and win a decision, whereas Rosenstrike, it's contingent on him getting a knockout. Uh, anything else you want to get out there for Dan Rowdy before we let him go? Because we both got to. I guess what other what other fights are you looking at that you like, and just uh, your overall thoughts on UFC 266 coming up on Saturday. Well, firstly, gentlemen, thank you all so much for having me. If I had to give one parting shot, it would be. The first fight of the night, there's this kid named Omar Morales. He's in his prime right now. He's 35 years old. He's a Venezuelan fighter. He is a bad you-know-what. And he's the kind of guy that's going to come out here. He's going to fight for your money. And he's fighting a, a, a tough southern boy named Jonathan Pierce. Now, the issue with Pierce, look, I'm a fan of him. He comes to fight, but the guy gets hit seven times per minute. Ooh. You cannot get hit seven times per minute and win a fight against Omar Morales. And everyone's saying this is a dog or pass situation. I disagree. It's a favorite or pass situation. So take Omar Morales in that spot. Hey, Dan, we love it, man. Thanks for joining us on, you know, the, the sorting the scheduling thing around here. We appreciate it. Uh, Half the Battle podcast, it's a must listen. And before I let you go, the Brewers and your Atlanta Braves might be meeting in the playoffs potentially. We need to do something fun for that, my friend. Absolutely. Let's get together. Uh, let's have a little friendly rivalry, and I look forward to it, gentlemen. Dan, you so your outro song today is 311's Down. We love you. Let's go. Let's go, baby. <laughs> see, see, see you, buddy. See you, Dan. Uh, there he is, Dan from Half the Battle. Uh, good stuff there from Dan. No, that really is a good podcast. Like They go in depth, and it's not like something that's you got to listen to for two hours. It's it's a nice 45-minute, right to the point, right to the uh, right to just the ins and outs of every fight.